I'm glad you're here today. This is an exciting weekend for us. We started our first Saturday evening service last night, and we had a great time. It was an awesome experience. And then, of course, Kids World is firing up today. This is the first day for Kids World, and it was really fun for me to, to watch the kids back there. And we had a, One boy walked in, saw the theater, and he said, sweet. I knew, I knew we were on at that point, and, and it's just really it was exciting last night. It continues to be. We have a whole new team of volunteers here at Messiah, all the ones who were volunteering before, plus hundreds of others. And I've, I've had the joy of meeting new family members here at Messiah who are volunteering already today. Maybe that was you. And that just, that helps me so much. That encourages me as a pastor to know that more than just coming in and, and listening to the message and enjoying the worship, that you're taking that next step and you're volunteering and you're making a difference in the lives of other people. Because when it gets right down to it, here at Messiah, what we're about is helping people connect with Jesus Christ. That's what matters. You know, we'd love for you to make the commitment to be part of our church. In the old days, we used to call that joining a church. I don't really like the term join because it kind of communicates a club kind of thing. This is a family. And if God leads you to commit to this family to be here, I'm excited about that. But more, more fundamental than that is I want you to connect with Jesus Christ. I love hearing stories. I never get tired of hearing stories. People telling me the various ways they connect with God through the ministry of this church. And so I'm glad you're here. We're starting a brand new series today. We have a little something different on the stage. We don't normally have an indie car on the stage, but we do today because our theme is shift. The idea of God shifting us into a new level. When God comes to your life, when God touches your life, he doesn't just make you better. He makes you different. You are not the person you were before God touched you. God makes you different. Self-help books can make you better. <clears throat> Seminars can make you better, and I've been helped by some of them. But God has the power to do something else. He has the power to make you different. And one of the things that God did in the Bible, when he came and made a big difference in people's lives, sometimes he would signify that by giving them a new identity. He would change their names. And whenever God changed somebody's name in the Bible, usually he was calling them up to a higher level. I did not know that in this information internet age that new identities is kind of becoming a cottage industry. There are people who, who want to have a new identity. I was reading a few things on the internet about this. One site said, if you're sick of your past mistakes holding you back and serious about getting a new identity, this is the package for you. Get a complete new identity through the mail. So you don't like your name, you don't like who you are, you don't like your credit record, you don't like your ex-girlfriend, you know, ex ex-boyfriend trying to track you down. All you have to do is just change your name. If you're, and you know, you can get away from your past mistakes, you can be a new person. I didn't know you could do this. <clears throat> I've led a sheltered life. Now there's this one site. <clears throat> the whole site is dedicated to helping you get a new identity. It says your future is waiting. Identity theft was once a serious problem. Thousands of people around the world had their identification stolen and were forced to pay large debts created by others. Up until now, law enforcement agencies and the general public have viewed this situation as chaotic. But here at this company, we feel differently. If somebody really wants your identity, good, let them have it. We can get an even better one for you. But why bother with credit card debt, car loans, home mortgages, when you can leave them all behind? All you need to do is complete our free evaluation form, tell us a little bit about yourself now, and who you would like to become in the future, we'll analyze your information, determine the best identity for you, and send you a confirmation profile of the new you. How's that sound? It hit me that there are two reasons why people want a new identity. 
They want to get away from the mistakes of their past, and they want to have a future they don't believe they can have. You know, the funny thing about all that, it's not really funny, I guess, but the ironic thing about that is that if you were to send off and try to get a new identity, get a new name, go to a different place and start all over, and you did that internet deal, truth be told, you'd still be the same person. The same heart, and by that I mean your inner person, the same character that created the past mistakes would go with you if you got a new name in a new place. And the same, you know, the same problems that you've had in the past would probably contribute to the same future that you would have if you didn't send in and get a new name and a new identity. But the thing I love about God, are you ready for this? I mean, here's where the shift comes in. God can actually do something about your past, and he can change your future. Do you believe that today? God can do, yeah, I mean, give him praise for that. He can do something about your past. And he can give you a new future. And ever once in a while, God said to people on the earth, I'm going to give you a new identity. You were this, and now you are this. And he changed their names because he called them to a whole new level. Today, we're going to be talking about a couple. I'll get right back to that. Next week, you're going to hear about a guy who was ordinary, and God overhauled him. God took him from ordinary to super ordinary. One of the most interesting messages of this whole series is a sermon called Downshift. Because there was one guy that looked like, you know, God let him go into a lower gear, but he was perhaps the most effective man in the history of the world outside of Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes God's downshifts are really his way of bringing us to a higher level. Then we're going to talk about how that sometimes God, if you can do things God's way, God will let you put it on cruise. We're going to look at a guy who did things the wrong way, and God said, if you'll try things my way, it's like the Staples commercial, you can hit the easy button. And then finally... Finally, in a sermon about what, what God does, changing our life from the stuff that we can just expect that normally happens to being transformed when God's presence comes along. So I, I, these five weeks, I truly believe, will be life-changing for you and for me as we see how God can do things with your past and he can give you a whole new future. This morning, it's the only time in our series that we're going to talk about a couple so, you know, you know, both man and wife situation here will help you no matter what your gender is, whether you're single or married. But if you're a couple today, if you're married, or if you anticipate being married, you really want this one. Because this is where God comes along and he changes a couple from their past and gives them a whole new future. Their names are Abram and Sarai. You don't know them probably by those names. Chances are you know them by their transformed names, Abraham and Sarah. And I'm probably going to get all tumbled up. You know, I know them so well by Abraham and Sarah, I'll probably call him Abraham when I'm talking about his prior life. But their names were Abram and Sarai. You need to know what those names mean. Abram means exalted father, or we would say maybe big daddy or special dad, you know. Have you ever seen a guy wear that T-shirt that maybe his kids or grandkids gave him that says, number one dad? That's really what Abram's name meant, number one dad. So whenever he was doing a business deal and he was a businessman, you know, whenever he was meeting people in social settings and he introduced himself and he stuck out his hand, maybe gave him his business card, that was the name that he carried with him every place he went, special dad. And no doubt to make small talk with him, people must have said, well, Wow, special dad, you must have a big family because back in those days, big families were a sign of wealth and prestige and blessing. So people must have said to him, wow, big daddy, special dad, exalted father, how many kids do you have? None. 
Now, how does that sound? I mean, your name is Special Dad and no kids. And when God syncs up with him, he's 75 years old. So that means he's lived for 75 years with this name. When he was a kid, he walked around in school, and everybody said, this guy's going to have a big, prestigious family because his name means Special Dad. Doesn't happen. Gets married, marries a girl named Sarai. Sarah means contentious. Problem woman. We may even have a few words in our culture that might sync up with her, her name. So there you have it. When God meets Abram and Sarah, it is special father and contentious woman. That's who they are. Now, what you should know also is this. In those days, there is no Bible. There is no nation of Israel. There are no churches. There are no synagogues. Things have devolved quite a bit. When God made the world, he, he put one man and one woman in the world, Adam and Eve, and God wanted to start with them. It was God's project. It was God's plan to start through Adam and Eve. But you know that things went south in a big way in the garden. God had said to them, there's a tree in the middle called the knowledge of good and evil. And God was saying, all I want you to know is good. I don't want you to know the dark side. I don't want you to know evil. So don't want you to eat of that tree. But you know the story. Eve ate of the fruit. She gave it to Adam. Adam ate. And from that moment on, it wasn't just a matter of them eating a piece of fruit that God didn't want them to have. They disobeyed God's only rule. They went from being godly to bring, being lawbreakers. They went from being part of God's special plan to actually going over to the other side. And from that moment on, God's creation was broken in the box. Uh, I was, last night I was talking to the, to the congregation. I, I, there's a song I like that actually Bob Dylan wrote in the late 70s, and it's called Saved. And in, in, in this song, he says, I, I was born already ruined. He's right in that song. That's what we were. We were born already ruined. God's couple, the man, the woman that God put into the world to start the human race, broke everything in the box. And now God wants to start over again. God wants to, you know, he's not through with his plan. His, his, his plan is to bring a redeemer into this world, somebody who will come in to be the savior for the world and he's got to start over and he he wants this couple to start a new nation and which couple does he pick exalted father who has no kids and contentious woman aren't you glad listen to me now is this easy for us to push on abraham and sarah aren't you glad god uses people like abram and sarai aren't you glad that god can use a man who doesn't seem to be getting anywhere. Aren't you glad God can use a woman who sometimes lets her feelings out before she thinks real carefully? Aren't you glad God can use people like us? Because I'll tell you what, if God had to have perfect people, I'd have to check out. You wouldn't have this pastor. I mean, if, if I had to be somebody that, that, that never made a mistake, God could not use me. I'm glad God uses imperfect people. So God came along when Abram was 75, and Sarah, I think, was about 65, and God said, here's the deal, I want to bless you. And God is saying to Abraham, we're going to have a deal. And here's what you should understand, from the very beginning of time, when God makes a deal with man, God carries the load. Just like Jesus carried the cross, and you don't have to carry the cross, he carried the cross up the hill in order that you might be saved freely. When God made a deal with Abraham, he let Abraham know in no uncertain terms it was on God's shoulders to make the deal happen. And God was saying to Abraham, I only want one thing out of you. I want you to trust me. Ladies and gentlemen, 
if I had to pull my ministry down to two words, if all I could say to you were two words, I would tell you, trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. Because that's what God wants. I would not, you know, if you go to some churches, if they pulled it down to two words, it would be give money. <laughs> if you go to some church, churches, it would be join church. Many religions have this as their mantra, do good. But I want to tell you what, what we believe, everything in this book is, comes down to two words, and those two words are trust Jesus, trust God. And God said to Abraham, uh, listen, what I want you to do is I want you to trust me. And, and here's, here's what I want you to do first. I want you to get out of here because Abram lived in a pagan culture, and God could not do in Abram's life what he wanted to do if he stayed where he was. And God said, I want you to move, and I want you just to follow me. And I'm not telling you where you're going, but it's going to be good. And I want you to trust me. I, and here's what God said. He said, I'm going to bless you. Now, he doesn't stop there because he said, I am going to bless those who help you. Well, that's important. I can tell you firsthand. You know, when you look at this ministry, I don't do this by myself. There are many, many people who help me. And one of the things that I'm delighted is to see God bless those people who are helping. But God said to Abram, I'm not just going to bless those who bless, bless you. He said, I am going to harm those who harm you. That's significant. Because I'll tell you what, anytime you set out to follow Jesus, you are vulnerable. You're exposed. If you don't follow Jesus, you can mail it in. But if you follow God, God is going to ask you to do things that will leave you exposed from time to time. And God knows we're going to feel that exposure. So he came to Abraham and he said, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to help those who help you. And he said, I'm going to make life miserable for those who hurt you. And I just want to, I'm getting way, way, way ahead of myself. But Abraham's family is the nation of Israel. And that's still in effect. Let us remember that. And he said, I'm going to make your name great in all the earth. What name? <laughs> Abram, exalted father. And so God was saying to him, I'm going to give you descendants. Guy's 75 years old, no kids, but he's believing God, and he's on the journey, and he's doing what God said. He leaves, and he's following God. But what you and I are going to discover for the next five minutes or so is although Abraham gets on the journey with God, he's got a bad habit of sidetracks. Now, I, may be, I think I'm really talking to a lot of us right here. I think, I'm, I think I'm talking to myself, really. How many of us, at one point, we made a decision to follow Jesus Christ? We were baptized. And, and we said, basically, God, I'm on the journey. Here I am. But at the same time, how many of us take sidetracks? You know, we should do this, but we don't. We shouldn't do this, but we do. And we start getting off on these sidetracks. Now, that's what's going to go on in Abram's life, because God has said to him, if you'll follow me, and you'll trust me, and you'll, you'll believe in me, God is saying, I'm going to take care of you, and I'm going to make you the father of a multitude, and God is saying, I'm going to bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and your name's going to be great in all the earth. And Abram's saying, okay, we take off. What did God say to him? He said, I'm going to hurt those who hurt you, and I'm going to bless you. Now, I tell you that for a reason, because Abram takes his wife, Sarai, and they go into this place, and Abram is afraid of something. In those days, they, they, it was a lot, it was a rough culture. And he thought, you know, Sarai, my wife, is really, she is really beautiful. And if I go in there with her, the guys in that, in that city are going to see her, and they're going to want to take her for a wife, and they're going to kill me. 
What did you say, God? I'm going to help you, Abraham. I'm going to bless you. If anybody tries to hurt you, I'm going to hurt them. But Abraham says to Sarai, you know, he's thinking this over, and he's saying, I'm kind of scared here. You're so beautiful. And by the way, ladies, you know, Sarai was 65 years old, and, and she must have been something. Maybe she was contentious, but she must have been hot. That's all I can say. And Abram is saying to her, here's what you need to do. When you go in there, I want you to tell a half-truth. By the way, a half-truth is a whole lie. And he said, I want you to tell them that you are my sister. That was somewhat true. She was a half-sister. She was related. But he said, I want you to tell them that because I'm afraid if you tell them the truth, they're going to think you're my wife. They're going to kill me, and they're going to take you. And so Sarah goes in, and it's, it's not an act of faith, but she does that. She tells everybody the lie. She says, I'm not his wife. I'm his sister. Well, that just throws fuel on the fire because, after all, if she's a sister, they think, well, man, this guy's going to be honored if we want this woman to be, you know, part of the harem. And, and, and if God hadn't stepped in, it would have been a disaster of magnified proportions. And God pulls Abram back, and he says, now, Abram, and they renewed the covenant. God is saying, listen, I'm going to bless you, and, and take, just, just keep, keep following me. Don't take these sidetracks, and, and I'm going to make you awesome, and I'm going to give you descendants. And, and so Abram is saying, well, maybe, maybe what God's going to do is he's going to work through my oldest servant, because in those days the culture said if you had no kids, your oldest servant was your heir. And so he said, maybe it's my servant. And God's saying, no, it's not, and I'm going to give you a baby by Sarah. But they're frustrated because the years are going by. And i got to tell you this, and I hope you don't think I'm really giving Sarah too hard a time today, because when, when I think about Sarah being contentious, I don't think she was just a, I don't think she was a mean woman. I think that everybody looked at her for why things didn't go well. You know, she couldn't have a baby, and when, when her husband introduced himself, he was Abram, exalted father, how many kids do you have? None. Every time somebody heard, every time Sarah heard that, it was like a whip on her. And you know, there was, there was nothing, listen to this, there was nothing that will make you contentious like feeling like you have to make the impossible happen. If you believe that it's up to you to make the impossible happen, if it's up to you to play God, that will make you an angry, a contentious person. You know, when you're just trusting God, and you're saying, I don't know how it's going to happen, but God's going to be God, I don't have to be God, it will make you joyful, and that joy will give you a peace that will radiate and will touch other people. But now Sarai's feeling bitter. She's feeling pain. She's feeling hurt. I mean, people are looking at her. It's her fault. So one day she says to Abram, I got a plan here. She said, I got a girl that works for me. Her name is Hagar. And what you need to do is you need to go in and sleep with her. And maybe you can have a child by her. And if, and if you have a child from her, maybe that's going to be the child that God wants. Now, God has already told him he's going to have the child by Sarah. Now, it's at this point that Abram should have been not only a faithful follower of God, he should have been a smart husband. Husbands, how many times, how many of you know this morning that when your wife says, go ahead and do something, it's not always a good idea to go ahead and do it? You know, when your wife just says, okay, all right, just go ahead, man, that is your opportunity to throw it in reverse. I don't know if this car has a reverse gear or not, but that's what you want. And so Sarah is saying, well, you know what, I can't have a baby. I got a girl who works for me. I want you to go in and be with her, and maybe she'll produce a child. It was Abram's opportunity to say, Sarah, I, I don't need any woman but you. I'm trusting God, and God's going to make this thing happen. I know we're both getting old, and we both apply for Social Security now, and, and it's kind of hard to have Social Security medical and, and maternity benefits, but I'm still trusting God. 
That's what he should have done. How many of us, don't raise your hand, how many of us have a lot of should have done's in our life? Oh, yeah. So Abram, he does it, man. He, I don't know why, I really don't know what the deal is. I don't know if he married this girl. I don't know if he just slept with her or whatever. But from that, from that union, a child was born. Now hear me. When you and I don't trust God and we take matters in our own hands and we try to do what only God can do, that will lead us to make bad choices that will have long-term ramifications. You know, when you, watch, you know, when you watch the news and you see this conflict between the Arab nations and Israel, and you wonder, why do the Arabs hate Israel so much? And why, why does Israel have all this conflict with the Arabs? Do you realize that the Arab people are descendants of Abraham's son, Ishmael, whom he had by this woman? And Isaac is the son of promise that we'll read about later. And that doesn't mean that all the descendants of Ishmael are bad. Not at all. It's just that there's a, there's a conflict between those people. It started because a man and a woman said, we're following God, we're on the journey, but oh, we're going to take this detour. Things didn't go well. Now, if Sarai was contentious before, she's really contentious now. Because now, Abram has done this thing, and he's got this baby by this servant girl, and this baby is growing up in the house, and Sarai is looking at Abram, and she's saying, it's your fault, you're the one who got us into all this, and now I've got a problem because this kid is making fun of me, and this woman, doesn't, this woman that used to work for me, she doesn't respect me anymore. Abram, it's your fault, you've got to do something about this. Abram's saying, okay, I don't know how we got here, you know. So he just kicks Hagar out, and, and as I said, that, that, that causes a lot of bad feelings for, for thousands of years. And it's at this point, Abram is wondering, is this really going to happen? I mean, God gave me these promises. It was like 25 years ago, God gave me these promises. He's almost 100 now. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to give up on the promises. Who am I talking to this morning? And you're saying, maybe it's time to give up. Maybe it's time to check out. When you get there, don't be surprised if you have a visitor. God showed up. And he said to Abram, we're going to read this. Let's just look at this together. This is in Genesis 17, verse 15. Then God said to Abram, uh, Ab excuse me, let me, let me start over here. Chapter 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a, live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abram fell down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. Look at that. I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. Now, God comes to this guy who has a name he can't live up to, which means father, exalted father, and God says, we're going to change your name to father of many. Now, how exciting is that? He didn't have one son. He's struggling with that, and God is saying, your name is too small. We're going to give you a bigger name. And later on, in, in the same chapter, God says to Abram, Sarai's not going to be Sarai anymore. She's not going to be contentious. Her new name is Princess. Isn't that cool? I mean, God just came and changed a couple of Hebrew letters. Now, let me tell you what I love about this, and I'm praying that, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit's got all your attention right now. When you set out on the journey and you start taking zigzags, 
things are not going to go well for you. And there may just be a time when even when you are following God and you are doing God's will, that it's like God's promise is not coming true in your life. It will be your temptation at that moment to downsize your expectations. Hey, listen, you know I just had a milestone in my own life. I just turned the big 5-0. And I can begin thinking, you know what? I've always dreamed about this. Maybe it's not going to happen. Maybe, maybe, maybe the years are just clicking by too much. Maybe it's not going to happen. And many people, as we age, we begin to downsize our expectations. Don't you find it exciting? That when God came to Abram, you know, here's Abram, things not going well, 99 years old, a lot of bad mistakes, a lot of stuff not going right, and most of all, the promise that God made to him doesn't seem to be coming true. If you're Abram, and God comes along and says, hey, Abram, um, we've been looking at this thing, and I'm afraid we're going to have to revise our expectations. Abram's saying, yeah, I kind of saw that coming. We're going to have to think smaller. I'm going to have to lose this name, Abram, Father. What are you going to call me? And God is saying, no, you have it wrong. We don't want to downsize. We want to upsize here. We want to supersize. Listen to me. We want to supersize your expectations. And Sarai is not going to be contentious anymore. She's going to be a princess. Why? Because Sarah's not going to have to worry about making this happen because now it's so clearly impossible that when it happens, God said, everybody's going to know, I did it. And Sarah doesn't have to be contentious anymore. It wasn't long after that that Sarai got pregnant, 90 years old. Uh, people were living just a little longer right there, so, you know, I don't know how old that would be in our time frame. I'm going to guess somewhere maybe around 70, 75, but that's a miracle, right? And she had this baby, and this baby had two sons. One of those sons became the father of 12. Those 12 became the 12 tribes of Israel. And they became such a mighty nation that by the time Pharaoh looked out one day in Egypt and saw these people who were by that point enslaved, he said, the most powerful king in the most powerful country said, if I don't do something about these people, they're going to take over the country. And the story went on. And I don't have time today to tell you everything I'd like to tell you about this mighty nation, but I can tell you the most important thing is that from this family that became a nation, God brought a special somebody into our world. God and man at the same time. Jesus Christ, our Savior, came through the family of Abraham. I know I'm running out of time. Could I just give you one more thing? In our world today, in many churches, there is a message out there. It's the prosperity message. And the whole message is God wants you to be happy and wealthy and healthy. It's very popular. And a lot of people sync up with that. It's the message God wants you to be happy. And God wants you to be rich. On the other hand, there are churches like some of ours that says God's not at all concerned about you being happy. God wants you to be holy. That sounds good. But in these ideas, it's like, man, don't you think about your life. All you got to think about is what God wants because really all God cares about is his holiness and all God cares about is his will. Friends, I want to tell you today, neither message is the message of this book. You hearing me today? God does care about you being happy. But he also cares about what he wants done in the world. And here's what God is saying to you and me. He's saying, if you will put on the front burner what I want done in the world, God is saying, I'll put what you want on my front burner. Are you hearing me today? Isn't that awesome? God is saying, if you will trust me 
I'll take care of you. You just take care of my business. I'll take care of your business. And God did care that Abram and Sarah wanted to have a baby. He cared about what they cared about, and he made it happen. But what I'm delighted about is that they were able to do on a human level what God wanted them to do. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what I want in my life. I want to do God's work. I want to do what God wants. I know God will take care of me. I just want God to shift me into overdrive. I don't want to have low expectations at a moment when God wants to do great things. Our time is gone this morning. Somebody could say, well, Mark, that's Abraham. God did that for Abraham. He had a special promise with God. In the book of Galatians, the Bible says that those who have faith in Jesus Christ are blessed with Abraham. You hear me? We're grafted in. Upsize your expectations. At the moment, you say, God, I will trust you. It is time to have bigger expectations. Things may be going wrong. Things may not look good right now. But I'll tell you what, if you're synced up with God, upsize your expectations. Don't you listen to the critics. Don't you listen to the naysayers. Don't get wrapped up with the bitter people. Don't become contentious. Don't start trying to make it happen on your own. Don't try to make it up as you go. Just stay in touch with God and let God lead you. I'm so glad you're here today. I'm glad that you're on this series with me. I really do believe God wants to shift us into a higher level. What he's looking for is people who will trust him. Let's pray.